Hey everyone, and welcome to episode 215 of Final Fantasy Union. I'm your host, Daryl, and I'm here with Lauren. Hi, guys. And how are we today, Lauren? We're doing all right. Yeah. We have recovered from the calamitous oh couple of weeks that we've had. Yeah, like everything that could go wrong did go wrong. Like first it started with our daughters being not so well, then it ended up with us not being so well, and then our computer just gave up. Yeah, and so since the last podcast episode, it's a lot's happened. Yeah, <laughs> just a little bit. And uh, yeah, but you know, we have a new computer now, thanks a big deal to you guys and um the youtube channel as well like we've just it's it's like an end of an era because i've always had desktops mm. and um we decided that now we want to be a bit more mobile we want to be able to work around different places uh be a bit more flexible so we now have two laptops yep we're we're owning it yeah it takes up less space daryl was very upset that he couldn't have a macbook but i we we've quickly figured out why that is the case <laughs> yes because we tried in the two days that we were, were without a pc we tried doing some stuff um it didn't really work out that well <laughs> um, it was quite irritating I yeah say. i mean like because people don't make uh a lot of like really popular programs are available for mac but if the program is not in that popular realm it just doesn't exist for mac mm and it's quite frustrating. Yeah. And also, um, Lauren was trying to use Parallels because like our editing, video editing software, for example, is not Mac available. Yeah. Uh, we're still using Vegas. And uh, Lauren is is going on a course. We said about it in our YouTube update that but Lauren is going on a course to learn Premiere Pro very soon. But until that happens, we're stuck using Windows to edit. Mm. And uh, using Parallels to do that, not so fun. Yeah. Yeah. Not so no. Fun. no, not great. But yeah, so we have a nice little predator, and um, he is beastly. Yes, and he he. I turned it off, but he did make roaring sounds when you turned it on. It was quite yeah. quite aggressive. Yeah. Um. And yeah. So we we actually also got the flu uh, in the last two weeks. Not the coronavirus. Just no, to clarify, no, just, no. just the normal flu. Yes. And uh, so we might be a bit sniffly throughout the episode. We're going to try our best to uh, moderate the sniffles, though. Mm. I think we're going to do okay. But yeah. uh, we're, we're, we're very much on the mend now. Everything's stabilizing and uh, we want to talk about the Final Fantasy VII Remake. Yeah. Because there's another load of stuff that's been released around it. And I think it's going to be quite interesting to discuss. Mm. So that's our, our main focus today. Seven Remake update. Uh, we've got a couple of questions as well. But before we get on to that, it's time to do our Patreon shout outs. I'm going to kick things off with Guide Seeker. Chris Morales. Michael Graham. Barry Norton at Nortron Zero. Thorin Bullen at Massacre 23. Tori Patrick. Fires Bilal. Lewis James. Zach Duranto. Rachel Casserton at Erpian Ray. Zelda Clone at Apes Type Novels. Darren Matthews at Doomster 73. Joseph Robertson at Pokemon Trainer J. Alex and Rachel Troutman at Akira Name Jin. Billy Jackson at Underscore Billy Jackson. Miles Ribbons. David Calro. Chris Pope at Dr. Pop 181. Janet Knaud at Janet Knaud. Freya Stella. Flip Sadness. Tom Hughes at Tom underscore Hughes 22. Yam Potato. Noah Luttrell. And we have a new Patreon supporter this episode, Ryzen. Welcome, Ryzen, and Welcome. thank you, everyone. Thank you. 
Okay, so Final Fantasy VII Remake update for this episode. There's quite a few things, actually. Mm. Um, the first is that they released the opening movie full version. Maybe this is going along with the theme of the last episode where they just were getting fed up with the leaks because obviously there was that PSN demo leak. Mm. They did show off uh, a chunk of the opening movie and we talked about it before. You got to see the amazing transition between the train and the gameplay sequence. Um, but they just released the whole thing uh, on YouTube and social media. It's just over five minutes long, I think. And mm. it's actually really good. Yeah. Yeah. I think it looks, it's a nice update. I really enjoy what I saw. I, I enjoy the graphics. I enjoy the music. Like there's not really that much that's bad about it. Yeah, and I think the main thing as well is that obviously with the the leak that they did before, it was very much kind of a replica of the original uh, sequence, just with some bolstered up graphics. the The actual opening movie though has a big chunk before uh, what we saw in the in the original game, so it expands a little bit. and And I think the main the reason they've done that is because the opening opening. <laughs> the opening of the opening is uh there to give a bit more life to Midgar. Like mm. it's not like the typical introduction and most of what we get to see in Midgar within Final Fantasy VII is quite dark and dingy. Um whereas they actually put some stuff at the beginning to have it a bit more light uh friendly. You get people seeing doing construction work, like it's just people like like kids riding their bikes. Uh we got to see um people playing on the slide. Uh, that's obviously um, quite famous outside yeah, the wall market. Yeah, the little cat. And um, well, big cat. Yeah, so like they, I think they tried to do it to add a bit more personality to the to Midgar, mm. make it feel more lived in. And I think it it worked well. Like the the music was interesting as well because it was a kind of combination of the opening bombing mission, but also Sephiroth's theme being introduced into it as well. Yeah, which is really weird, isn't it? The fact that they like of all the themes they could introduce that they introduced that one i guess it's like it's kind of annoying in some ways because it's like this is going to be a really weird comparison but to anyone who's watching star trek picard at the moment um i was watching the the red letter media review of the first episode and it was kind of i kind of felt like i agreed with them in the sense that they just latched onto things that people know about TNG mm. and they were like, we've got to have that in the episode. Mm. And it feels like with the seven remake, they're kind of doing that a bit as well. Like what do people know about final fantasy seven? Okay. They know cloud, they know Sephiroth, they know one winged angel. Like what else can we put in there? So like first thing you're going to hear is a bit of one winged angel mm -hmm. in the opening score, which I guess like it's a it's a nice nostalgic um, thing, but even people who haven't played the game probably know One Winged Angel. They've probably heard it from uh, different concerts they've been to or what have you. So I guess it's to help them feel a bit more grounded as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, it, but it, like they could have done something else. They could have done like um, the main theme. I think that would have been interesting. It just seemed a bit out of place, the fact that it was like, so dark yeah and like because i feel like when i watched when i watched the original opening of of final fantasy 7 like it was sort of i don't know if it, it wasn't soft obviously it wasn't like it wasn't like happy and cheery but i felt a bit more hopeful with the um introduction of Aerith. 
And this, it just felt a bit like the tones were too different. Yeah, because it starts me. off quite quite friendly. And then obviously the Aerith <laughs> introduction into it, they've changed a bit. So she's yeah. kind of looking down the alleyway now and is is scared. You get the Sephiroth overture at that point. Um, so it's obviously kind of foreboding. Mm-hmm. Which I guess is um, going to be the introduction of the fate people. Yeah, the Watchers of Fate, yeah. which we still don't really know anything about. No, no, they're just kind of Dementors. Yeah, much. <laughs> Dementors, Dementors. But yeah, so um, so there's that. <laughs> Good job, Lauren. Yeah. Um, I guess the other thing we could talk about, though, is the soundtrack, because mm. now there's been a much bigger compilation of stuff. Uh, I think the vinyl has been released, which had quite a few tracks on it. And I guess off the back of our conversation that we had last episode, where... I wasn't, I don't say I was like ragging on Hamazu and um, and Suzuki. I think maybe it was just, I, I talked about it a bit more in the Discord afterwards. I think it's just because I know what Hamazu is capable of. And mm. I think in, in more, the more recent uh, versions of the Final Fantasy, well, the more recent soundtracks, I don't really feel as though he's, he's always given his best offering. Like it's it's kind of like there's some really good and some really bad. So I was just curious to see what he's gonna deliver for this for this soundtrack. Um and I think yeah like we so they've had like the full version of Tifa's theme, the full version of the main theme. Um we've also there is an amazing electro version of the boss theme which mm. is gonna play during the squat challenge. Mm. I think the main theme there's parts of it that I think sound really good. Mm um as a as a as a new piece they've changed the structure quite a lot compared to the original and i think the original worked really well because it was that overworld theme there is no overworld theme necessary in the seven remake because there is no overworld so it's going to be curious to see where they play that piece of music yeah i mean some people do liken it to clouds theme like because there's not really a clouds theme in final fantasy 7 per se like a lot of people associate it with just Cloud because he's the only person who you see on the world map at that point. But yeah, yeah, it sounds a lot, to me, it sounds a lot softer in a way. Like it um, it doesn't have the bite that the original had um, where it just, I don't know. There was, there was just something about about the way that in the original um, opening, well, sorry, that, in the original the overworld theme. It had the really clear passages that it mm-hmm. went through and there was like the kind of upbeat parts and there was the melancholic parts. And maybe it was just how the levels went as well, like as far as um, the volume and stuff. Like it just, it just seemed to hit a lot more in certain areas. Yeah. And then... Um, like when I compare this to the reunion version, like to me, it it just doesn't quite match that version of. But as you said, like we don't know game. where it's going to play, exactly. and it may work really well in the exactly. game. Exactly, and where it's, they use it. it's still a fantastic theme. I'm just comparing it to past things where I just think. I, I kind of, I, I just prefer those. I prefer those. I'm sorry. I prefer them. Perfectly acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, in addition to all of this, there's been a, a big news blast. Like we've had a couple of these before where Square send out 
uh, some key art for the various characters that they've been talking about recently. And then in addition to that, they reveal a load of information. So this time the key art was related to Red 13. We had some for Hojo as well. Um, but in addition to that, they talked a lot more about Tifa. So um, they talked about her moveset. So, uh, so Cloud is going to have his thing where you can change between like the heavy attacks and the normal attacks. And it's kind of like a switch. Whereas Tifa's triangle stuff is apparently uh, when you complete a combo, you can press triangle and if you time it right, she'll perform a move. And uh, They had a couple of different moves like uh, an uppercut, which launches enemies into the air. They had one where she kind of, if she's in the air, then she can do something called rise and fall, which is where she'll come down. Um, they also talked about some of her, well, they just revealed the names of some of her ATB abilities. They didn't say what's was particularly special about them but there's one called true strike which i'm guessing targets a specific part of the enemy and deals a critical attack um dive kick as well which was one where she's diving and kicking <laughs> pretty self-explanatory <laughs> that one um in addition to that they also talked a bit about some of the new materia so we've obviously known there's going to be a cure materia mm -hmm. so they talked about how that can relate to cure cura and uh, regen but then they uh had uh one called deadly dodge which i i i think it's interesting that they're going for less conventional names because typically materia is like one short name Mm. and I, maybe that's because of restrictions they had back then i don't know enemy skill is too but but most of them were generally one word and yeah deadly dodge is kind of what it says on the tin mm. if you are able to evade an enemy with the correct time window i guess then you'll be able to perform a a, a powerful strike afterwards if mm. you've got the material equipped mm. yeah it'll be interesting to see how this how this all pans out. I imagine it would be just similar to like um, Kingdom Hearts, really. Like yeah, how you have the zero. things um, all um, equipped or not. Um, <clears throat> yeah, no, Kingdom Hearts is a much better example because you yeah. have all the different things that you can pawn. And that was very much the case of like, if you did certain actions, then you would get um, better attraction flow, whatever is like, what was it called? Which was the flow? Well, there was like attraction to... flow and then there was... Um, Oh, frick. What there was, was a it? flow that was related to evasions and yeah. jumps and stuff. Yeah. It wasn't like some, something simple as like action flow or something, was it? Maybe. Possibly. But either way, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's that It's that kind of idea. And we did, we did talk a long time ago, actually, about how the, the 7 Remake combat looked like a merger between... No. Were we talking about how Kingdom Hearts was kind of like what versus he wanted to do with 15? Mm. And I guess 7 Remake, they're going to... We know they're already going to pull parts from things. From mm -hmm. We know that Kingdom Hearts 3 has been a big influence on it. Yeah, yeah. So it would make sense for them to, to pull over different mechanics as well like because that was an element of Kingdom Hearts that worked particularly well. Like the gameplay, I don't really think too many people had any complaints about it. No. No, I, I've always enjoyed the um, Kingdom Hearts gameplay um, pretty much. So, yeah. So in addition to that, now... We already know there's a new NPC called Roche or Roach. I don't really know. I, I think it's Roche. Roche. But uh, it could easily be Roach. Mm. We don't know. Um, <laughs> well, we probably do know. I just haven't looked it up properly. Um, but yeah, the, we now know there's going to be another NPC they've talked about, another named NPC mm. called Chadley. 
That's not that easy to say. No. Chadley. But it's also just like Chadley. Um, so Chadley is apparently a 15-year-old research trainee who is Hojo's assistant, like works for Hojo in some shape or form. Mm. But he just likes to hang around the slums. And uh, it kind of feeds in. So there's two parts here. So one is that Chadley is... Uh, part of his stuff that he's doing for Hojo is to research. He's a research trainee. Mm. Um, and um, he's really interested in materia and enemies. So uh, the assess materia, which is basically scan, Libra, um, he's going to have you use that when you're fighting things. And it's like the normal like uh, monster hunter kind of quest line they have in, like the monster arena from 10. Yeah. Uh, where you've got to basically... Uh, like scan a certain number of enemies and kill them and then once you've done that then he'll reward you um with certain materia because he likes to develop materia in his spare time so one of the quests we saw in the screenshots they released says basically i think it was the first quest you can do which may be the same in the main game not sure not too sure um but basically if you complete it then you get the auto cure materia which is obviously a more advanced version of the cure materia mm. um but yeah like it's there's a full quest line for him uh, and once you complete it, then he'll sell material to you as well as developing mm. like exclusive stuff that you can't get elsewhere. Mm. Kind of just looks out of place though. Like his design, I don't know. He kind of looks like Denzel. If yeah, I'm it's honest. like a mixture of Denzel and, and, and hope. hope. Yeah, yeah. It will be. Um, it will be nice though because I don't know that there was as much of a monster hunter type of mechanic in final fantasy 7 i don't remember no it wasn't at all so well it's it's a nice addition i think i think it will be a nice addition it's just whether or not they they learnt mm. because obviously final fantasy 15's fetch quests and stuff was so boring and tedious yeah and i feel as though like if but final fantasy 10's wasn't I found Final Fantasy tens to it, be nice. It depends though, because when you were doing ten, it was end game. Mm. This is not going to be end game. That's this is going to be like as you're going through the experience, building out. So, and like it really depends on how they build out the zones as well. Yeah. Like in terms of because I don't know, it's Midgar, so they could implement some kind of fast travel mechanic using the train system. Maybe. I really hope so. That would be um, great. But I, I don't know how everything's going to be interconnected. And also like go back to his design. Like he's this like really small weedy guy with blonde hair and like a bright white shirt, massive satchel bag. And like in the screenshot they had, he's basically in like the, the slums. It's yep. kind of muddy, like pretty dirty looking. And like there's loads of burly guys around him holding machine guns. It just, very odd i'm <laughs> i it really makes me a bit not worried but like i'm really interested to see what the other like there's gonna be a load of, there's blatantly gonna be load more npcs that yeah. we don't know about yet um really really want to know what they're gonna look like i just really like that his little sock his socks have yeah. suspenders his socks have suspenders he's around like an, his knee he's like an 80 year old man so strange um but yeah so obviously there's a quest line related to him there's going to be a load more quests called merc quests uh and these are where cloud can use his skills to help people so it'll just be the cult classic of like oh there's some enemies over there they are stopping me from getting into my house please mm. please defeat them for which me which is actually that's also a nice addition because of the fact that like that's what he is he's a merc for hire and it's like it goes with 
um, back to Zack as well, because that's what they were hoping to do after escaping Shinra. Yeah, but then, like, I'm thinking, <clears throat> is it going to detract from the story? Because, like, it's, it's, a nice, so. it's a nice um, thing. <laughs> that that he is a merc for hire but ultimately like the story the midgar story is pretty intense and mm-hmm. like is he like in just getting into the mindset of the character here like throughout the midgar segment there weren't too many distractions mm. it was very focused on the mission at hand like wall market was the bit where that you had like the bit of a detour yeah. it kind of made sense um but everything else was very much like go to here to here to here to here it's quite fast paced. There's a lot of stuff going on. Like, is there really going to be the time to take a break to do other stuff when you're being hunted as an eco terrorist? Uh, you've got to save Aerith. Like, all these different things that are happening. Like, are these are these different quest line stuff and like all these different? Like, apparently, you're gonna have to save some girl's cat. Mm. Like. That's like seems to be their go-to now. It's yeah, like you save a cat. in uh, Dragon Quest Eleven, save the cat. Um, like is that, you have is to that feed kind of the stuff? cat in Final Fantasy Fifteen. They just <laughs> they just really care about cats at the moment, guys. Yeah. Square Enix is just on a cat kick, and they just want to put cats. But yeah, I'm just I'm just a bit concerned that it might just detract. And I think like it, it is definitely a thing in modern games where they feel like they've got to have all these quests in there to keep your attention and like. Mm. Assassin's Creed has massively suffered from bloat of just how many different distractions there are along the way. And it, and I always get to the point where I start doing them and then I'm like, I just want to do the story. Just go away. Leave me alone, stupid quests that have yeah. nothing to add to anything. Yeah, I guess that is something that is something that is going to be worrisome. But like, I don't know. I'm good at ignoring I just like to. I just don't like to get too far removed from the story, mm. and I guess my concern because I've just um, finished God of War, for example, mm. and um, I felt like m- when I was getting more towards the end of the game, uh, there were like there's so many distract. Like when you get to kind of the um, the hub area, there's so many different areas that you can go off and explore. Um, but I just was like, I'm I'm doing too much exploration. I'm I'm getting further and further away from the story. And then I got into doing the story and then I, it didn't take me too long to finish it mm-hmm. because obviously they were banking on the fact that I would spend a lot of time doing the exploration. And I I know they've said that the 7 Remake is going to be a very expansive game. Uh, there's lots of stuff to do. They compared it to 13. I really hope it is like 13 because like 13, like the core linear story is is like a good 40 hours like 40 mm. 45 hours and like it's all the other stuff that takes it up to like an 80 90 100 hour game yeah uh, there's not really too much you can do to speed things along uh it's only when you get to grand pulse that you actually have a bit of freedom to explore and do the um uh the seath challenges mm-hmm. but you know up until that point it's, it's pretty linear uh like and 10 was the same really like it it's only when you get to the, the point where you can um like yeah stuff. like challenge sin that you actually have all these different side quests to do where you can get the ultimate weapons and stuff like up until that point there's not really much that you can do to just detract you and distract you from the main story and i guess my hope is that seven remake doesn't go down that path of like oh you've got to this point now here's a ton of side quests and i and yeah. well, i kind of know it's going to do that because they even the screenshot the the side quests were segmented into chapters mm. so there's going to be side quests you can do per chapter 
There's probably going to be some that you can't do if you progress through to a certain point. So you've got to do them early on. It does kind of, yeah. Yeah, I guess we'll see. We'll see. Yeah. The other thing they showed off was uh, their pre-order summons. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness, guys. I mean, I know some people have been saying that, like, look at the original artwork. Like, they look very similar to the original artwork that they've already shown. Some people have said that they are happy that they're not pre-ordering the game (laughs) because of their designs. They look a bit... They look a bit strange. I think uh, Nomura... Chocobo Chick, I doesn't bug me as much it's the carbuncle it just yeah. looks so it's like yeah. mega mind yeah well i was gonna say that namura seems to have watched mars attacks recently and just said you know what those those mars attacks aliens they are just I, so darling i don't know what it is they because like pretty much like every a lot of the characters and, and the stuff that's come out They've just made the heads too big. Because Aerith, they ended up shrinking her head down a little bit, didn't they? I don't know. I don't know. I think that was... I don't know. Um, but, yeah. Like, they just they just look weird. It's like Carbuncle in freaking Final Fantasy... Um, Final Fantasy 15 was adorable. And the Carbuncles that they've had in Final Fantasy 14 are adorable. Yeah, like 10, 8. Like, like... Carbuncle is adorable adorable they've made it some weird creepy why did he have to brain having like it is it is like the sonic version one the sonic movie version one like what the hell were you thinking really you should be ashamed of yourself and your (laughs) your weird character animal design failures no um but it is it is it it yeah it looks looks i mean wrong. look the good thing is that it's a pre-order bonus yeah so, so we don't have to have it yeah and i think it's only it's only a pre-order, it's a pre-order bonus from one thing like i think it's digital only or something so yeah there's a good chance that most people will never see it yeah some people have compared the chocobo though to uh howard the duck if you remember that classic film uh yeah yeah look that one up best love scene in entire cinema history um but yeah no uh it just looks weird um at least they kept the cactors looking nice so yeah like unfortunately like while the 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 existing character redesigns have like been really well received for the most Mm. part the new character designs not so much mm. like because even roach stroke rosh roche where his name is like it he doesn't really look like a final fantasy 7 character mm. yeah he's a turk turkleton he's not he's a soldier oh soldier soldierton soldierton <laughs> uh and then yeah so outside of this massive news blast the only other thing is that the timed exclusivity that we've talked about i think a couple of episodes ago has now been extended because obviously the, the game was delayed mm. um so that's now going to be expiring on the 10th of april 2021 mm. uh, which is exactly one year after and they've still kept the wording that it's it's no longer a playstation 4 exclusive mm. so it's yeah, I mean, I mean, like Matsudo has already confirmed that it's being produced for next generation consoles anyway. So, in a year's time, basically, it's going to come out on the PlayStation Five and potentially the Xbox Series X and potentially the PC. Mm. Yeah. So, I mean, that's kind of 
duh, you know. I wonder what extra stuff they're going to put in it though. Because uh, they haven't spoken to my mind at all about downloadable content. Mm. And I know Nomura is not necessarily the biggest fan of DLC. Kitase is also not the biggest fan of DLC after the massive bollocking they got mm. <laughs> over 13-2. Uh, um, so yeah, it's going to be interesting to see if there is going to be any uh, downloadable content for the 7 remake. Mm-hmm. I don't really know what they could do though because like everyone knows the story already. Mm. So if they put story content as DLC, that's just going to surely piss everyone off. Yeah. Maybe different outfits yeah like cosmetic stuff i can see them doing like yeah like yeah so, like certain summons like they already are kind of doing yeah uh, different weapons that they could do different like designs for the bike i i don't know yeah like cosmetic stuff like yeah like because like lightning like, returns they went the safe route and they gave loads of different outfits for lightning to wear mm. that's the, i think that's the safest route for them to go down it would be cool if they did something like online a bit, like um, the battle arena. But I don't. There's nowhere to really put a battle arena now. Because, there's no gold saucer um, in this yeah, one. Yeah, and gold saucer will probably be in the next one, maybe. Um. But yeah, I don't really know, because that's the other thing as well. What are they going to do? Like, what can they do with DLC if they know that they have to do a part two, which, you know, is going to that's going to be the stuff that people are really interested in. Yeah, and I think the other the other thing that's really curious is obviously Kataze has, has spoken in the past numerous times about how they want to expand the universe of the 7 remake with other experiences. So like what kind of stuff are they going to put in the mobile game that is inevitably going to release? Mm-hmm. Lots of stuff still unknown about what's going to happen. Into the unknown. Yeah, so... <laughs> Thanks for that. Sorry, I've been listening to the Frozen 2 soundtrack. Some things never change. Ah, good job, Daddies. Thank you. This will all make sense when we are older yeah, as well. It will do. Yeah. In 10 years' time, we'll know exactly what's happened with the 7 remake, and hopefully it will be finished by then. And hopefully I won't be lost in the woods. <sighs> <laughs> um, so do the next right thing, no, Square I was, I, I, Do the I, next right thing. <laughs> I'll stop. I'm sorry. Frozen 2 podcast. Great. Yeah, done. Um, so, yeah, we've got some questions now. Uh, the first one is from Hugathi. And I guess based on some of the conversations we've been having recently and we've had in the past about different staff members, uh, he wanted to know if you could bring back one former staff member to work on the series again, who would it be and what would you want to see them work on? It's kind of hard to say, though, since so many of them are being brought back as freelance. Yeah, and I, I guess like... <laughs> I think it's really easy to look back with nostalgia mm-hmm. and say, because like the obvious answer would be Sakaguchi. Mm. But then you have to remember that really towards the end of his career at Square, Sakaguchi was not the same person that built out like the franchise in the earlier days. Mm. He allowed a lot of things to take place that, you know, I mean, I, I don't know if it was really his decision to have Matt, uh, sorry, uh, Matsuno work on a numbered series game mm-hmm. um, or if he'd kind of already checked out at that point because he was too focused on working on the spirits within. And like, in a way, I guess he's he's kind of like uh, uh, Kojima. Uh, like he, Sakaguchi became more interested in making movies than he did games mm-hmm. towards the end. 
and he tried to make a movie and it, it flopped. So mm-hmm. like I'd say Final Fantasy Nine was the last game that he really had a lot of input in. Like yeah. 10, he didn't, from what I remember off the top of my head, he didn't really have too much involvement with Final Fantasy I mean, 11. Even... He, he basically told them like the vision about what he wanted the game to be and then just let them get on with it. And 12, like he's in there as special thanks. I mean, even like as far back as seven, like, you know, he had a proposal for what he wanted the game to be with like Detective Joe and stuff. And they were just kind of like, yeah, nah, that's fine. But he also did um, push them. Like, so he mm. was the one that basically forced them to like adopt the new graphical technology. He made them use all the cutscenes. Yeah. And he was still a part of it because he came up with like the, the word materia. Yeah. He still he, a part of it. Yeah. Like not... he let them, he let them have more control, but ultimately yeah. like he was still. He was he was an executive producer, right? So at that at that point he was he was like six, seven, eight. Uh, he was he was there. To I guess be he was like the a, one who said about like he wanted it to be about death, wasn't he? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So, so he like, did have that. It he, <clears throat> he, he within the earlier games he was very much like this is a story I want, and then he yeah. worked with I think his name was Tarada on the first three games to to kind of make that thing because mm. uh, he didn't want to write the script himself. Uh, and then once Kataze came on board, then he kind of took over the narratives with Sakaguchi working with him. And I think that was the thing, like when Sakaguchi was involved and he was able to have an input in the scenario, but not necessarily write the scenario himself, those games generally seem to do a bit better story-wise because I don't think he had very much involvement with 8, for example. And that's yeah. one of the ones that people pull out as having one of the weaker storylines, I think, yeah. from the from the more modern ones. Um, but I, th- I don't know how much involvement he had with 10. No. Um, nine. Obviously, he did have a massive involvement in with because it was with uh, Ito. Um, but yeah, like twelve. I don't know how much involvement he had, but I think he was kind of just checked out at that point. So I guess it would be like if you could get Sakaguchi back when he was still in the same mindset that he was from Final Fantasy one through seven, and like he somehow got that same fuel back. In him that he he really wanted to build out the games in that way mm-hmm. then like sure i would love to have him back because he clearly had a plan like a, from the um the history videos we did on tactics and 11 like even when sakaguchi stepped away he still had the vision to say final fantasy can work with this this genre and and this genre and i mean that's the thing like he's proven himself outside of square enix as well like i mean you have like um lost odyssey and stuff yeah, but they never did as well. They didn't do as well, but that does still doesn't stop them from being really good games. I wouldn't... I mean, like, people say that Lost the Odyssey is, is a good reason, game. But the main reason why it didn't do well is because it released on Xbox. Like that... Partially, yeah. Um, I think, like, it... Obviously, as, as, as what they were, they weren't as solid games as as what final fantasy had become at that point yeah uh i think lost odyssey um although it, it was kind of like a tr- it was an older sc- older school final fantasy game mm-hmm. still very turn-based uh but obviously a lot of the jrpgs uh genre had moved away from that last story as well from what i heard was was really good um but again like there were things that people didn't necessarily like about it um so yeah, I guess like yeah, old old school Sakaguchi would be a good person to be back. Um, I would l- just just because of the vision. I think we've talked about it before. Like there isn't anyone at Square that has the vision for the franchise, mm-hmm. and I think the thing that Sakaguchi did well was that he was the person 
So, like, I know we've talked about the Final Fantasy committee. Actually, Kataze has come out yeah. and said that the committee is not remotely what anyone thought it was. <laughs> it was just for them to, if they want Cloud to be in Smash Brothers, is it going to be an accurate representation of the franchise? It's nothing to do with, like, controlling the games that are made, really, or the quality of the games that are made and making sure they're good or bad or whatever. It was just, like, yeah, making sure the IP is represented well and external stuff. I don't know. <laughs> like, Sakaguchi provided that, like, this is like this is acceptable this is not acceptable this yeah. is what final fantasy is it can work with tactics it can work i want it to be an mmo like he had a plan for what he wanted it to be yeah and like yeah sure they produce a lot of crappy um like spin-offs for the chocobo games but ultimately like when he when he had visions about what he wanted things to be they generally worked out pretty well and even the spirits within wasn't a terrible film it just was the wrong time yeah they just didn't they just didn't it was it was a it was a step too far for them at that time they just did it too soon but getting back to it who would we want to come back i mean tabata yeah i just i i really i know everybody like has a sour taste in their mouth about tabata or a lot of people do i just liked him I just really liked him. I liked him being like a face for Square Enix. I, I thought he was really sweet. He was I, really... I think the thing that you and I uh, both really liked about him was that we know that 15 was not a perfect game by any yeah. stretch of the imagination. He did the best that he could. And I think we both appreciated that he tried. Yeah. And I think with him, it was that we were really looking forward to seeing what he would do with a game that was his own. Yeah. Because pretty much every like even Type Zero was not his game. Yeah. It was it was Nomura's uh plan. Like he had to try and make it work again. It like that game went through so much development hell. I know. But like Crisis Core was fantastic. Like that was such a good game. And you know, um Type Zero in the end, like it really it really is a fantastic game. Yeah, it would have been great to see what he could have done or what he would have done with Luminous Productions as well. And I think from what I remember seeing, because he's doing that uh, Paralympics game, but I'm pretty sure he was alluding to the fact that after he's done that, he's going to go back to working on a AAA game. Mm, Maybe. Hopefully, because I I mean, I I guess he's, uh, Kojima has done it, so. Yeah. Yeah, the only issue is the doesn't fact that... doesn't have the same rep, but yeah. he did still make a game that was made more successful than any Metal Gear God, solid game in the history. Yeah, but a lot of the times you have to like sort of pull out, you have to pull out the statistics book in order to prove that to people. Like it's not something where people will just be like, oh yeah, no, you know what? Final Fantasy fifteen was a ba- major success. Oh, there's so many people who were just like, no, it wasn't because yeah. I didn't like it. Because I like, guess that's the well, thing, right? It's not you the know? same thing. A franchise like Metal Gear, everyone thinks it's incredibly successful, but it's not actually, it doesn't act like Metal Gear games don't sell that well. They sell mm. okay. Mm. Like, but they're not like, they're never going to be on any bestseller lists. But I think Kojima's biggest, biggest thing was the fact that they released PT. Like, the fact that He's they got released great PR. The fact that they released PT before, right before he left. And it became such a sensational thing that just was like, I mean, he was great before, but PT just like made him legendary, essentially. But, um, but yeah, no, no, I think, I think my vote would be for Tabata just because I just like him. 
Yeah. Um, and then this next question is from Rachel, who asks, if you could design your own Pandora jewelry line for Final Fantasy, what creatures and character would you have for your range? What would you do, Daryl's? So Pandora, that's like the, the, the bracelets, right? It's like, um, it's just, um, yeah, it would be... No, it's Tiffany's bracelets. But Pandora is, is jewelry. It's just like, yeah, they. I think they do charm bracelets and earrings. Because I mean, I, I actually kind of like even, and they have released it as merch now already, I think. Uh, like the bracelets they had or the little things they had for Tifa. Yeah, like the those little bomb. cute. Like the, the World of Final Fantasy character designs were really cute. I think they work really well for that. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of jewelry, I feel like, oddly enough, like there's so much stuff that you can do with gemstones now in terms of colors, mm. uh, especially now with like the the like the lab-grown ones. Mm. Uh, I believe you're not supposed to call them synthetic in the, <laughs> in the USA. Um uh, there's so much you can do with all that kind of stuff. Like, so something based around materia, like, would yeah, be, material would be great. Would be like, perfect. so many different colored uh, uh, gemstones and, and rings, and you could do like materia earrings as well. Mm. Like, lots of stuff that you could do with it. Yeah, yeah, or something like along the lines of um, Mako as well. Mako, Mako. Like, Mac- I think it's Mako. Mako. Marco. Um, a lot of green. I mean. It's hard because, like, I really do like some of the stuff that Square Enix comes out with as far as, like, jewelry goes. But then some of it, I'm just kind of like, oh, that's really not my taste. But I would love Aerith's new uh, necklace. The flower. I really like that one. Yeah, the little flower and then the bow. They're really cute. But, yeah, I mean, for uh bracelet charms i think old faithfuls are are great just have a little cactor chocobo mookle yeah just a little little so, there you have it yeah um, also if i could get like a a like tonberry knife that was just like really shiny and like full of gemstones that would be great for actual usage in a kitchen just for a display i don't know i think that would be fun kind of weird yeah Okay. <laughs> Sending that on the note. And on that note, the Ooh, uh, Buster I think charm. I think we're yeah. they did have the cup noodle. Yeah, they did. Ultimate weapon. Yeah, so it's not that ridiculous. It's, no, not, it's not that far out of the realm of possibilities. Anyway, uh, that's the end of our conversation <laughs> today, Lauren. Stop coming up with weird utensils that you want Pandora to make. Yep. Please. Um, the next episode of Final Fantasy Union is scheduled to come out on the third of March. And uh, of course, be sure to always check out our coverage at finalfantasyunion.com as well as the YouTube channel. There is a correction to make. Last episode, I said or alluded to the fact that Brayden likes Brave Exvius. <laughs> I've been told categorically that Brayden does not like Brave Exvius. <laughs> so there you go. That's the official word. Brayden covers Brave Exvius, um, but that's because he is very diligent. Mm. Uh, if you enjoy the podcast, of course, uh, you can support us at patreon.com forward slash FFKHUnion. And uh, with that, I think it's time for us to say goodbye, Lauren. Bye, everyone. I'm Daryl saying goodbye. This has been a Final FantasyUnion.com production. <laughs>